0: Welcome to Level Up Radio, presented by Coach Now. I'm Spencer Dennis, and on today's show, we feature Andy Griffiths. I've known Andy for quite some time now, and I've always been impressed with his openness to learn, and honestly, his openness to ask for help. And in fact, that's how I met him. He was uh, reaching out to learn about the industry of coaching, and specifically in the world of golf. We got to know each other, and ever since, I've been an absolute fan following his career and doing what we can to help him. During the conversation, we spent a lot of time talking about Andy's move from the UK all the way to Shanghai, China, to join the MIGA Golf Academy a number of years ago, and how that's evolved and how the academy is growing. We talk about their shift from lessons to long-term development programs and why that's been so successful. We talk about Andy's social media growth. He's actually the most followed golf coach in China, which is really amazing. We dive into his goal and his current work towards multiple streams of income. And we also cover what I think is maybe the most important part of this conversation is Andy's ability to be a a really, really positive model. He's a coach that not only talks the talk, but absolutely walks the walk. He's really, really driven and consistent with his actions, which is what every single coach is going to want of their athletes. He takes on a new task or a new objective every single year to learn something really big and become proficient at it. Uh, In this case, we talk a lot about his boxing and a little bit about tennis and running marathons, but it's something that I think as coaches and trainers, we all can do to build better relationships and more empathy for our athletes. So with that, I hope that you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. I know there's going to be a ton that you can take away, not only for your business, but I think in this conversation in particular, a lot of things that you can apply to your own life and your own style of coaching. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you on the other side. For those of uh, the audience that don't know you, right, you're in the world of golf and I've, I've known you for quite some time. I mean, never uh, worked together directly per se in anything other than you being a fan and a, and a user of CoachNow for quite some time. Uh, but I've, like I've said before we jumped on, I've been fascinated by your career and the gutsiness that you've shown that I think most coaches don't show and yet they aspire to, to reach greater heights but aren't necessarily sure how to get there. And so if you could just share what, let's start with this way, I guess, a day in the life of Andy right now, right? Where you're located, what you're doing, and then we'll talk about how you got there. So what's, what's a day in the life look like for you right now?
1: So, a day in the life right now. I uh, wake up pretty early. Uh, definitely not as early as I, I used to. Since getting my, my sleep tracker, I've realized that uh, sleep needed a little bit more priority. So uh, All right. waking up a little later than before. But most days start with a one-hour Chinese lesson. So I'll ring up my Chinese teacher and we'll just chat through anything Uh, just for an hour, just for the accountability, just to make sure that I'm definitely getting that in. So an hour speaking to her, generally that finishes go to an hour of fitness. And by the time that is done, feel more ready to to start the day. So the working day, uh, now working with a bunch of golfers in the the daytime is more adults Mm that we've, their business and how they go about life they have a lot of a lot of spare time some my weekdays uh, daytime is mainly working with adult golfers okay and then when when school finishes and onwards it's then working with predominantly nine to 14 year old kids uh, mostly with goals of playing high level uh, competitive golf and that would be my my evenings
0: right on. And are you working five days a week, six days a week or less? What what's your schedule looking like for that?
1: Uh five, six. Uh All right, so you're the busy. last the last year since we opened back up on March the first. Yeah. And there's not been too much travel allowed. We can travel out the country, but it's a lot more difficult to get in. Mm. So as a result, the I've been busy for seven years, but this year even more so because people don't normally go away to play golf in other places. We're all stuck within china schools have been closed for a little period of time as well so everyone's wanting to spend more and more time on golf
0: and tell us about the academy right because you're not alone and you work with uh, a mixture of I, I believe coaches that are uh, native to china as well as international coaches so maybe tell us the makeup of of the academy because i always find especially in you know china or japan or korea these different Kind of the Asian cultures there, how great they do at mixing all the different coaching levels and kind of people from all over the world, which I think is really fascinating.
1: So we've now got five international coaches, uh mix of mostly in the UK now. Um okay. five international coaches and then 12 Chinese coaches. Wow. And we're based at three different facilities around Shanghai. And yeah, just to make it more accessible because golf is very expensive in china we've got then coaches that we take on and we'll put them through the the china pga qualification as well as our internal coaching qualification so that they their level can keep improving and the standard that they can coach to keeps improving too so 17 coaches and then a mix of uk and for now a lot of chinese
0: yeah that's a big business man how big was it when you got there
1: i say for because obviously the chinese part isn't changing i say for now for uk because we previously had u.s space coaches and that within our team we're not taking over the chinese we want to make their their coaching level higher and higher
0: right on and what what was the team size when you got there
1: uh three so myself Uh, michael the founder and well, maybe two coaches that were at the driving range that we moved to uh, one of which then joined our team and one of which felt, it wasn't a good mix and then moved on pretty quickly. So three, potentially four.
0: Got it. Okay. So getting kind of the nuts and bolts out of the way, right. Working at the academy day to day, I think a lot of people can identify with that lifestyle, but there's this whole other component of being a non, uh, you know, not being fluent in the language in your particular area obviously you're studying but let's let's go all the way back because i again uh when i first met you you were just brand new into coaching i think you're just kind of getting in your feet wet and doing it and you always had this this uh, ability to reach out to people and make connections which i thought was really really inspiring so walk us through the decision of being in the uk and then going you know what i'm going to make the big leap can you can you kind of share the details of how you got to that tipping point of making the move
1: i guess i was fortunate my university course encouraged you. basically we did a three-year undergraduate degree and your three years of pga status all together within the same three-year period so every summer period pretty much as soon as exams finished until the next year started, you went and did a placement or an internship, which regularly is the three years post becoming a professional. So we managed to just cram it all together within three years. Okay. So with that, we'd seen in years prior to me, people going off to all kinds of different places around the world. So my first year, my applicants, uh, the places that I sent messages to included Augusta and Place. Ah, yeah. This is all around the world just to see what was possible to do and I guess from that I spent my first year in everyone in France with John Wallet and when I realized what's possible to be doing that then opened my eyes of what I saw my future to be so each year I just tried to find and source out the best people to work with where I could learn a lot despite my relative inexperience a lot of people that were able to help me out and push me forward a lot quicker than Would be standard. And then just decided, okay, that's what I can do in my summer periods. But I can spend every spare available bit of time jumping on Skype calls, Mm -hmm. reaching out to people around the world, learning from their experiences there, what they would count as failures, things that they've done really, really well, and learn from their experiences instead of necessarily having to go through them all myself, too. Right. Yeah. Awesome. That was early on. Just realized people in the golf world. I think most people get into the coaching business because they want to be able to help other people out, and whether that's students, whether that's another coach, people are very willing to to help and yeah, that's a good take point. advantage of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely a good point. And so what were some of the lessons you, if you can think back to all all those conversations? Was there any kind of themes that stuck out to you that you were getting answers to from the questions that were most interesting?
1: Uh, I would say from two separate things. One, from the learning of information, I realized that very quickly, everyone would tell me the same thing, that the more they study, the more they realize they don't know. So very early on, uh, speaking to so many people that in my mind had all the answers, were just a, a perfection, had everything in place, had all the answers to every student that might come in. They would be the first ones to tell me, Jesus, I have no idea what's going on with this. I'm really going to spend the next time learning about this and this and this. Mm. So that really uh, just shaped my thinking that, OK, I'm going to graduate university and then I'm at ground ground zero. But then now I need to start learning, 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 learning and just treating that as an ongoing, lifelong process, as yeah. opposed to once I've got this certification I am. You're set. (laughs) I know everything. Yeah. Yeah. So learning wise, that would be, that would be one. Um, what else did I learn? That would be one that just stuck out to me to say the absolute most.
0: Absolutely. Right. The, the lifelong learner approach. And it is always shocking to me, right. That so many of us are coaches and trainers and yet. We don't necessarily hold that mindset, even though we're continuing to try to instill that in the people that come and see us for help. Right. So, yeah, I think that's been uh, a huge thing for you for sure. And when I, when I follow you kind of passively on social media and I see, oh, Andy's into boxing now, or Andy's into this, (laughs) right. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And uh, maybe talk us a little bit through your, your boxing career. I have no idea if it's still going, but I know that that was something you put a lot of time into. And I think just from the for all of us to be a learner again. Uh, and I know this, the majority of this conversation, I like to focus on the business side, but I do think this parlays into that, right? To be the best coach you can be, you got to put yourself out there and be the learner again. So if you could talk about the boxing career, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, just I remember chats with a, an early mentor of mine, Andy Gordon, based in Spain. And I remember I was speaking to him a lot when I was working on a cruise ship. And at that point, the cruise ship I was working on Italian company a lot of the people that I worked with didn't speak English and I didn't speak Italian so I remember at that point teaching some despite my inexperienced coaching what I thought were pretty good lessons and not much communication verbally was happening Mm. so I just remember that and trying to always get back to what makes a good lesson it's communication it's understanding it's empathy with knowing where the student is because after you play golf for a long time, you can you can have your own little language, you can seemingly demonstrate anything and it feels quite easy. Uh, but it's definitely not. So each year since I've been in China, I'll take up a a new challenge, something that previously uh, relatively inexperienced in or completely no knowledge. And try and take that skill from an average level to as high as I could. Right so. On. Since I've been here, that's included writing a book about experiences here in China, being a sprinter previously and deciding to to run a marathon, Okay. Uh, tennis, which was a skill that I thought I was horrendous at, and getting to where I can compete, Uh, swimming, and then boxing, as you're talking of. So boxing was one that I'd never really, uh, no, I'd never done, never done before. And so I decided to take that from never having done to I had a target within a year to take part in a white-collar boxing match and ended up in hang. that okay. first year and a half, taking part in two fights. Mostly because my stubbornness after narrowly losing the first one. I couldn't retire on this. You just so want to I keep going. <laughs> went straight into the second one. So, yeah, just always with that, a lot of the times the coaches would say things to me like, oh, you you played golf, so therefore – you'd understand that the rotation part of boxing is the same as goal, which is a really easy mm-hmm. comment to say, but that did not did mean that I, could, I couldn't skip past a lot of the the hard work to really learn a new skill. So that there's really helped students to relate to me better because mm-hmm. they don't see me as a, a guru that knows goal. And therefore, it's really easy for me to say these things. They see me as someone who struggles just as much as they would do but in a, in a different area. So that's been a really useful thing to as a conversation starter with students.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. So let's talk about that, right? That, that, that kind of shared understanding of failing and potentially being embarrassed and kind of just struggling with something, right? Because people come to us and it's a very vulnerable place for them to be. So yeah, walk me through a little bit of, of how, let, let's start here actually on this part of it. So someone comes to you, they're brand new, right? Uh, you've just met them. They've just scheduled their first session with you. How do you go about onboarding them? How do you go about kind of communicating what their expectations can be? You know, kind of your whole process, your whole spiel, I think would be a helpful thing to understand for, for a lot of coaches that struggle with this.
1: Okay. So we first have like a assessment session, but really the assessment session, we have a sheet where we'll fill in all kinds of details, including their starting points. So we've got an accurate representation okay. of where they are to begin with. Uh, But a lot of this in the last couple of years I've been speaking with Will Robbins quite a lot and really digging into your own story has been super interesting. So I look back to my when I was growing up playing football or soccer and I've really started to work on my own story and then see the little links that we'll be able to be sticking points really for conversations with parents or kids during the first chat. So I think through when I was young, I was very small and therefore when I started within golf, I had to work super hard on fitness and work hard on my short game because otherwise there's no way I was going to be able to compete with golfers that I still can't compete with, including Tom Lewis, who was a good friend of mine growing up. Uh, and so I see that and being able to relate to the, the parents And the kids there and say well you're wanting to start golf because your kid is let's say he's not very confident and he's not confident because he's smaller than the others in his peer group and therefore playing football or playing a more physical sport to start off with isn't helping him to love the idea of sport and just being able to they see me now as someone who hits the golf ball a long way but i can relate to them and say well when I was your kid's age, I was a lot smaller than all the people I was with. The reason I can hit the ball a long way is because of the fitness and you you've there too. So these kind of conversations really get the parent on board. Uh, so yeah, the first first session would be that. We'd have an hour or so to see where they currently are with their golf, Talk about their goals, to talk about where they really want to go. Big picture, as well as some of the smaller steps in, in yeah. getting there. And then really just to chat. The more we chat, the more things come up, the more I can hear sticking points from what they're saying and start to relate stories that I know from my background or people I know whose background. And then by the end it feels like friends speaking and how can I yeah. help you to get to where you want to be? As opposed to, this is my price. Pay. So you don't right. want to pay it. You're not going to be a student.
0: Right. So tell me, tell me how you set expectations for let's, let's just hone in on the juniors for now, right? Cause that's a big business for anybody that's going to be listening to this, no matter what sport they're, they're involved in. Um, so what kind of minimal commitment or programming do you, do you create for everyone? Do you have the, you mentioned the after school programs or those supervised practice? Is it individualized? Do you pod them together? Kind of what's, what's the, what's the going structure at the, the academies these days for what you guys do?
1: So we're fortunate, I guess, very fortunate in China that people, uh, would see, they commit to things in a lot bigger way than they would do. I would say in the West. So for the first couple of years I was here, it was more the general coaching packages where you'd buy generally a minimum of 25 hours of coaching uh, Mm. up to hundreds of coaching. And that would be someone coming once or twice a week for a one hour individual session. And then we'd organize golf course stuff on top of this. But in the last couple of years, we've introduced a program that basically covers everything for the people that don't, have families that play golf and therefore don't understand as much of what's involved the programs that we set them would include their individual lessons their fitness classes their supervised practice sessions some seminars that we'd run nice. on all different topic areas and then their on course play that will either be with their head coach or one of our supervised coaches for all feedback within a group setting and they've been very popular because they're yeah, can see. based on okay if you've never played golf the first level is to break 120 from these tees, and you follow this program you do all of these areas next one's break okay. 190 80 and so it's uh that gets the commitment but then you don't have the kind of conversations where at the start you said okay this is where you can get to but in the end, they've never done any of the fitness classes or supervised practice. Right. They just come for individual lessons. And now they're thinking, oh, I'm not sure Andy's that great a coach because it's this, um, this level. But actually, you miss this, this, this. Yeah. So having it better packaged, um, a lot of time that that's spent on the front end, just creating these programs just means that everyone's always much more on board. You can have monthly check-ins just to see, okay, yeah. this month you haven't done any of the fitness classes and fitness coaches, suggested that you haven't done any of the home tasks either. Okay, we really need to make sure that if we're both going to stick to our promise of, guess, of breaking 90 by the end of this program, that the fitness part needs to step up as, yep. as you're doing in the technical part, for example.
0: Love it, man. Yeah, because that's what we're, for me personally, what I'm always advocating, right, is creating compelling programs or what... I'd be calling an offer. Right. So that it's less a la carte, right. Less individualized. I'm just going to choose this from the menu versus, Oh, well, package a has all of this package. B has all of this package. C is the ultimate, right. Where I'm here every day, hanging out with Andy, let's say, in that, in that particular case, yep. and that's absolutely 100% the way to go. If you want to build a, a sizable business where you can move people up and down those certain levels, And for a lot of coaches out there that go, well, you know, my clientele or the prospective clientele I have is all these quick fix kind of people. It's like, okay, well, if they're quick fix people, put them in a supervised practice. So then you just go and you show Mm -hmm. up and you hang out with them and you give them a little bit here and there. And then once they show that they are hungry for more, then you can move them to, you know, one of these better packages, let's say. In the junior world, it's less and less of that just because the kids have a certain goal orientation of. I want to play in high school or college or for the national team or whatever it might be. So it's a little easier to say, well, this is the, like you said, the roadmap to breaking a hundred, then 90, then 80. Right. So in in the golf terms, it's more the result path, right? This is where we're headed. Mm -hmm. And I I know because you guys have been using coach now for a long time. um, And I I will say this, and maybe you don't know this yet, but we are working really hard on localizing and Mandarin and other Chinese uh, languages. So we're working hard, man. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because we actually have a pilot going right now with a, with a group right there that's, uh, testing it for us. But, um, we do get a lot of questions cause we are in 140 something countries now, and obviously not everybody speaks English. So maybe walk us through just quickly. Cause I don't, this isn't meant to be like a coach now promo, but just the questions always come up as far as the language barrier. And you're obviously learning the language, but just maybe the, 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 Peaks and valleys, I guess, of, of communicating with everybody, given that not everyone speaks the same language. And that could be coach now or otherwise, I guess.
1: Yeah. So every lesson that's done, there'll be a video recap that gets sent to a uh, group chat on WeChat, which is uh, how to explain WhatsApp on steroids. Uh, yep. So it's uh, <laughs> the all in one platform in China that you can do anything on. So every time a lesson gets posted into the players coach now space. And yeah. then it also gets posted into that WeChat group.
0: Okay. So that interesting.
1: Way on the WeChat group, maybe after a certain period of time, that video will disappear. Um, it won't disappear, but it's
0: harder to find probably too, right? Might, much Eventually. harder
1: to find. Yeah, but There's been students that I've taught pretty much since I arrived. So seven years that if I go back on coach now, I can see, their first video and yeah that's nice fun we do look back at some of their first videos and see see where we've come from so with communication my chinese is now at standard but i teach most lessons in chinese apart from wow. now a lot of the students english gets better as they go through school now they want to speak english more as i want to speak chinese more <laughs> i actually do have some strange situations where i'll be speaking chinese to them and they're speaking english to me uh, <laughs> But then, communication-wise, because we have the supervised practice classes and the uh, on-course stuff that might not necessarily be with me, I do a lot of the mm-hmm. lesson recap videos in Chinese because then the other coaches can see that, as well ah, as the yeah. parents can see that. And even though the session might have been in English, it's normally better to have everything communicated in Chinese so that everyone. So can not only through.
0: spoken but written as well. Are you are you writing notes in Chinese as well?
1: Uh, normally everything is a uh, video. I yeah. type uh, on the phone is okay in Chinese. Uh, so a lot of the communicating, if it's a lot really is voice messages, if it's not yeah. voice messages, uh, typing is okay. But I try to, if there's problems with grammar, it's okay. When you're speaking, not yeah. so good when you're, when you're looking at text. so I try to avoid yep. text as much as possible.
0: And that that's kind of been our pitch too, to say that A lot can be conveyed in a video, even if the grammar or punctuation or everything isn't perfect, like you can convey the overall message and it's it's a way to bridge the gap, especially with the sports that we mostly deal with because they're highly technical, right? So it's going to be easier to demonstrate it anyway and then talk through it versus writing this long-winded note that nobody can really decipher.
1: Yeah, there's with video platforms out here, uh, TikTok, originated here as mm-hmm. an app called Douyin and I forget how many days it is but for two years or so plus I've posted a video every day in these onto Douyin and as a result I think I'm the most followed golf instructor uh, wow. in China and good for
0: you yeah I was gonna dive into that side of the business congrats <laughs> man that's awesome
1: in terms of communication the reason I bring that up is that there's videos with hundreds of thousands of views. Every video is spoken in Chinese. I get the occasional comment saying, "Not really sure what you're saying," which almost always comes when I've had a, a long day and it's a, she's I need to get this video done, and it's a yeah. lazy video. Uh, but past that, people, if they want to hear the information, they're focusing on what they can understand and how to piece that together, as opposed to, Absolutely. "I'm going to try and not understand this person to make a point." So communication, once it's to a certain standard, um, people want to learn, people want to understand.
0: We'll be getting back to the show in just one moment, but I wanted to take this quick opportunity to let you know about some of the educational courses that we're running at Coach now. As the founder, it's imperative to me that we not only provide the right technology, but also the right education around the business end of coaching and training. As you know, it doesn't really matter how many technical certifications you have if you can't package and sell that information and and create a business around it. And these courses are designed to help you do just that. Over the years, we've had so many coaches come to us and say, I need help, I I got the technology, but I really don't know how to, to grow my business, how to hire people, how to market myself, and these courses are designed to do just that. In addition, I'm really passionate about helping coaches understand that it is totally possible to generate six figures of income a year, coaching less than 20 hours a week. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but again, it is possible if you have the right systems, the right technology, and the right mindset in place. So during these courses, we dive into everything from your ideal customer, how to develop your niche, how to build and sell compelling coaching offers, how to market your business, how to use CoachNow like a pro, and honestly, a whole lot more. So please head over to coachnow.academy. That way you can learn more. You can register for some of the upcoming courses. And when you do, please use the promo code LEVELUP. That way you save 15% on any of the courses that you take with us now or in the future. So again, head over to coachnow.academy to learn more and to save your spot for any of our upcoming courses. But for now, let's dive back into the episode. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Well, and that that brings up a really great point because a lot of coaches are asking, uh, they're they're very confused or concerned, even afraid of social media, right? Um, So they don't necessarily, they know they need to put the effort in, but they don't necessarily take those steps. Uh, this goes into their overall sales funnel in the sense that they do have an old Instagram with a dead website as a perfect example. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. good luck. You're you're really the bottom of the barrel at that point. But there's a lot of opportunities to move up from there. You are in a very, very particular market where a lot of the social media tools that we're used to in the West aren't really something that are as popular, right? So I say that to say, why spend time there? There's no point for you, right? Other than Mm -hmm. to communicate with family back home or something and friends but from a business perspective you found your vehicle and nailed it it sounds like uh, so i mean let talk us through the the type of content is it that short form 15 20 seconds of content where it's like a quick tip or is there longer form things that you're producing
1: uh, with douyin it's more a minute max videos you mm-hmm. can do some longer ones now but a minute max and i think i could have grown a lot faster if i did 15, 20 second jokey videos uh, with maybe a little bit of content in there. Uh, the numbers would have been bigger for sure, but the quality of people, likelihood of those kind of people turning into customers of various Exactly. What's the point,
0: right? Why have a million lot, followers lot. if only two of them will purchase from you, right? It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah.
1: So it's a minute uh, content. There has been times where it's okay, the theme of this month is this, is this, this. But I oh, try okay. to keep it quite sporadic uh quite all over the place um we've i've done things where i've got viewers in and we do video content together i do okay. competitions where i do uh swing recaps of videos that uh, someone who's won a competition can send in these kind of things but i try to keep it quite sporadic because it's a free product and the gap between Videos and people seeing that there's a video every single day for two years, and my coaching fee is high, and I want to make sure that when I put things in in the middle, uh, that's a a lot of extra added value compared to the free videos, um, mm-hmm. and obviously shorter than the price of what they pay for one-to-one one-to-one lessons. So I haven't done too much in terms of okay, we're really gonna dive into here's uh in-depth video series and talking about all the areas of your putting for the next mm-hmm. 21 days. little bit more sporadic
0: and do you do you see on that same line of thinking though do you see between you and miga or maybe even just you creating a layer of content behind a paywall that then is the introductory way to get to you right so let's just say your your packages right your long-term coaching programs are obviously expensive uh and they should be Um, And then there's the, hey, if you can't afford that or something, you know, here's 21 days to better putting, like you said, and put that behind a paywall. Is that something you've worked on or going to work on?
1: That is my plan for the next two days. I've got two more days of holiday right now. All right. And I've been I've been doing a lot of this and thinking and planning and starting and pushing in different directions. But now really is the time to uh, now I've taken a few things off the plate to start working out. A few more of these passive income streams, and using that yeah, large following to to develop some more. Realistically, golf is relatively new, and just a a real basics of let's say golf in the house, a, a video uh, series just for people that play golf before. I think I don't know if you'll see it on the video, but
0: I saw a little right. green putting something back there. <laughs> there you go.
1: So, um, my fiance. This year, one of her new year's resolutions is to, to learn golf. Just to better understand a bit more what I do. Yeah. She listens to all my stories, so she understands a lot of what I do. But uh to <laughs> her parents are very avid golfers. And obviously, in our future, huh. uh, having kids to play golf as well. Yeah is definitely a goal. So this year she's started playing golf, comes for less than a week. And putting this in the house, I think is a really easy video series paid video yeah, that's series great. yeah things you can do in your house to get to a level of golf where you're ready to then feel comfortable going to a golf course going to a driving range yeah and that's the kind of thing that the barrier then is small because all you need is a bit of space you don't need to be a member of this golf course to play you just need to have a little bit of space and i can see that kind of video series being pretty popular
0: i, I could see that for sure and do you find do you find the intimidation level pretty high out there as far as people getting into the game and, and being nervous about stepping out to the range or stepping out to the course? Cause correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I, I talk to so many people from all over the world. I get a little bit mixed up the access to the golf courses themselves. I and mean, that, is that pretty challenging still?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shanghai yeah. is 26, 27 million people, uh, way less than 20 golf courses. Wow. And the number of golf courses is less now than it was when I arrived seven years ago. So mostly due to the government not being huge fans of, of the game, mm. uh because of its habits here it as extremely elitist, then actually ah, yes. sadly leads to lace being given to golf courses. And becoming and more therefore, the price becoming more expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think as a result yeah it's difficult golf course access is not easy at all um and if it is easy it's expensive yeah. so i think a lot of people are given the option to enjoy a lot of the a lot of the sport without necessarily having to go, go to the golf course every time you play golf mm-hmm. is is huge a lot of people wouldn't go to the driving range because going to the driving range is a step before the golf course and then they're likely not going to go to the golf course much yeah so, so why even if if you could have it more where, okay, you can play some golf, let's say at home. And then the next stage is going to an indoor simulator or the driving race, maybe even the end goal. And then, okay, maybe later on you do go to the golf course that, that potential of the market is definitely there to be tapped into a little bit, but it is difficult. It's, yeah. Um, and especially with this year, this year with everyone not being able to, to leave China as easily to, to go away. I think all the golf courses in China have, in Shanghai, at least, have been, yeah, price increases this year because the numbers have been there. And as a result, you don't need to even add a lot more value or provide a much better service to people are there and queuing. So the prices just go up. And yeah, it's not cheap golf here.
0: Has there been any traction, and maybe there already is, I'm just unaware of it, around the gamified side of things, the top golf uh, model? Has there been any movement over there for that?
1: Yeah. Top Golf has been looking to come to Shanghai for a while now. I think.
0: Oh, really? Top Golf um, themselves? Okay. Yeah, I was just talking about yeah. the idea, but that's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's uh, space and price is I think the two largest things. I've been I've had chats in the last couple of years with the person who's responsible for them coming into Shanghai, and he's asking me, "Do I know of places that would be useful?" And it's tricky. Um, again, just with the space and the price, the price point of view. I think realistically, because when I see top golf back in UK or US, uh it's very popular because a lot of people play golf or maybe don't play a lot, but know the idea of golf. They would know who Tiger Woods is, they know who top golfers Mm. are, they've seen it on TV, it's there or there, or their uncle plays, or something like this. With here, a lot of people just so they wouldn't just happen to pass by and eh, top golf looks like fun. So, uh, yeah. because it's so new, the amount of people that know golf and know golf is pretty much play golf. There's not as many people that eh, I'm a casual follower, even though I only play once a year kind of thing. Yeah. So, simulator golf I can see growing quicker. And I'd love to see a top golf here in Shanghai, but I'm not sure in the next little time period how feasible that will be.
0: Well, I mean, you can take it a down a notch, right, and put the top tracers into certain mm-hmm. bays. I've seen that happen, even in the small town I'm from. Just the local muni put in yep. ten top tracer bays, and then a little bar in the back. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think the technology—it's really cool to see it be a little more accessible without the whole footprint sure. of this giant mega complex or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's circle back a little bit to. To coming to china again because i i'm not sure i got the the answer that was satisfactory to me personally <laughs> um just because it is such a gutsy move and yes you were young and you didn't have um you know a, a family of your own at that point so you you could take the leap um but how did you land on working with michael how did he sweet talk you or did you sweet talk him like how how did the relationship uh get created and how did you pull the trigger
1: yeah i guess um prior to coming here. I've been all over the place, but most recently it'd been with Jeff Ritter out in Pebble beach during the Nike junior camps. Yeah,
0: that's right. Okay. Yep.
1: I just remember every time Jeff opened his mouth, I was thinking that's a good idea. And everything he said, he he dreams big and he got me thinking that there's much more that a golf coach can do versus just sat in the driving range in their hometown and waiting for the person to come in person's going to be late. And then you leave work at 10 o'clock at night and that's the job as a golf coach.
0: Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So he definitely opened my eyes to what was possible. And so I think from that, I'd always known, I guess, because of my placements and all the different places that I had applied to work at that I wanted to be abroad or that the UK job market didn't suit me too, too much. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, I think just because of the, the contacts that I'd built due to the networking of going around and looking around, of what can I learn coaching-wise, and those developing into friendships. The job with Mike was very close to moving to Dubai. I was very close to moving to mm. Indonesia, both at late contract stages. And then I was at the PJ show actually in I'm going to say 2013, maybe. And I was speaking to Jamie Donaldson and mm-hmm. Terry Rose mm-hmm. and both of them said to me at the same time or within an hour period that a friend of theirs uh, was looking or was starting a golf academy in Shanghai. And even though I just told them in conversation that I was looking to move to one of those two other places, I should probably get in touch. So I actually had a call with him, I would say that same week, PJ show week. and. They'd said good things about me, even though I think at that point I, I'd never worked directly with either of those two. They said great things about me. We had a chat and it was more just discussing how this word would suit me. Uh and it sounded interesting. Michael had already been here for at that point 10 years or so. Oh and wow, I was okay. keen. I was keen to make my CV it'd been very good to that point of do this for six months and working here for a year. And none of these were, for example, the, the Nike summer camp, that was never a longer position that I left early. Right. It was just a, a summer program, but I was keen to not have my CV look too Ah, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So when I'd seen that he'd been there for 10 years and developed a great thing uh, through his hard work and his Chinese level, I saw that as a more viable option. And it was scary. I guess I, if I saw my YouTube search history from seven, eight years ago, <laughs> I think any video being created about China or Shanghai uh, from a foreigner or even a Chinese person speaking in English point of view, I would have looked at. I reached out to as many family, friends, or friends of friends of friends of friends that had heard of China, and spoke to them, and just tried to learn everything I could so that I'd feel that this wasn't a crazy decision.
0: Yeah.
1: But realistically, even after all of that, I think the thing that helped me to really make the the jump was I wrote down a list of things that I would be disappointed with if I stayed in England. So 10 things that annoy me about living in the UK.
0: Ah, okay.
1: And 10 things that could be great if I moved to China. And I had That's that very heavy, heavily
0: weighted let's get out of here list, right?
1: <laughs> Basically. And <laughs> I remember having this list and then saying, well, if everything's so bad and I don't fit in and even for my love of adventure, it just treats me so badly that I don't want to be here, Mm. then have I got the money lined up that I can just fly myself back home? Okay, the money's there. I've got this list which has pushed me in the direction of you should at least try it for this time period. And I remember looking at that list and deciding that, I forget how many areas, but if it was um, adventure, Earning, career development, and a few other areas—maybe five or six areas—and I said, if three of them are ticked off within the first year, then it's worth sticking to the second year. Um, and I remember getting to the end of the first year, and the earning was good. I was having a lot of fun. Uh, built a great group of friends. Uh, business was going well. Uh, Chinese—just the being able to speak Chinese—I remember that yeah. being one of the six. That if everything's terrible but you earn something and you learn Chinese and that's going to for sure help you. Absolutely. Yeah. To the end of the first year. And I looked at that list and I was like, I think that deserves staying for a second year. And fortunately I haven't had to keep writing that list to convince me for the next, next, next year. Yeah. But seven, seven years comes up next week and it feels like a good place to be.
0: That's awesome. So you don't, you just you you feel like that's home now and you you're just gonna stick around as long as it it feels that way, I imagine
1: yeah, it feels very hot um my fiance opened a Italian but she's Italian but opened a a bakery here with her sister last year, so oh, they wow. put down put down some roots and yeah, I don't see any need anytime soon. I definitely see China being a part of my future, whether that's I'm living here or. What I'm hoping to see now and develop some more passive income streams that kind of yeah. link me here too. I definitely see that being part of where I am. But yeah, the idea of moving on, there's very limited places that would attract me more than what I've got going on here now.
0: That's great to hear. I'm happy for you. That's really awesome. Well, as we get close to kind of wrapping up here, where is mega going right where are you guys headed as a group what are your or is it more facilities is it you know putting a bunch of amazing juniors out there what what's kind of the mission statement and what are where you guys are headed over the next let's say 3 to 5 years as a group given that you're pretty much you know founder level at this point right of of where you guys have been going
1: shanghai's a little tricky because education here is definitely number 1 and golf would be number 2 so a lot of golfers if they are getting to a good standard by the time they're 14 or maybe in some cases up to 17 they already would have left china and gone to an academy in us or canada so in uh, terms of developing true, yeah. really high level golfers uh we get a lot of winners of shanghai based tournaments and national tournaments but that's to to this point as an age group so for us it's more high school preparation uh, if okay. They're going to US for high school.
0: What you you said, uh, what, nine to 14? Was that the? Yeah, age?
1: majority of mine are nine to 14 now. Okay. 14 would be old.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And uh, then there'd be a little gap. And then I teach a lot that are then 18 or 21, 21 plus. Mm-hmm. So I'd say our mission statement is, or our, our direction, one part is to partner more with local schools and have a park golf. Uh, part school option uh, okay to, so
0: as a part of the academy provide be linked up with a with somebody to do the education so it's a little bit more tightly coupled yes yeah yeah uh,
1: that way it's not as limited at the moment the people that do very well are the ones that understand that golf is going to be a big time commitment and yeah. manage to structure their time very well between doing really well academically and golf and they happen to do well we want to kind of love barrier so that you you don't need to have the absolute perfect situation there to be able mm-hmm. to reach as high potential as you can it's so definitely really is to to grow into more facilities uh but really to make sure that the standard of coaching across the board is very high we've for sure had many offers to okay you can open academy here and do this and do mm-hmm. this but for us it's definitely wanting to make sure that the quality's there before rushing out and just ruining your ruining your reputation.
0: Yeah. The next couple of years. Is placing kids uh, in Canada or the U S or other places, is that a a business model for you guys? Do you guys see any income from that? Or is it just more of trying to help the kid out and introduce them to the right people? Cause I know I say that because I know a lot of academies that we either know about or work with, right. That's actually maybe 50% of their overall revenue is, Mm-hmm. Placing families in high schools in the states or in Canada,
1: yeah, mostly to this point, a lot of it is just helping out. a lot of them yeah. will have ideas already from the academic point of view where they'd want to be, and then it's us just filling in the the details of who we'd recommend in that area if it's academy based or coach based yeah, uh, so it's not been as big of a direction business wise to this point, uh but I can imagine that probably changing in years to come too
0: yeah i mean it's so complicated right uh and just helping people navigate those spaces there's i i will say this too i think a lot of people overcharge for that but i do think yeah. it is probably worth charging for if, if you're doing a lot yeah. of t- time committing to that um so what would you say you in particular what would you say your niche is right your strength like why do people come to you in particular is there anything that you really harness in on that uh, that you speak to when you're talking to prospective clients.
1: I think, as the same with the the story and relating to people, mm-hmm. when people see, like my proudest moments would be when I see the students that I've worked with a long time, and I see their their eating choices or their morning mm. routines, and these areas of their life that are influenced by what they see me do, not what they see me tell them. Yeah. So I think my niche would be that they get to see the best parts of what I do. Um, and it just passes on down the line. I see a lot of people that I get a lot of inspiration from, from podcasts or videos that translates to what I do day to day. So I think my niche is that what I do or what I coach is what I do. So they see me.
0: That's interesting.
1: If it happens to be that they turn into a fantastic golfer, great. Realistically, that will be a lot of parents' um, viewpoint when they come into the academy. Let's speak about one example. My oldest student, seven years, they come in uh, six years old. And the goal is to be a fantastic level golfer so you can help get a scholarship to Harvard. Mm -hmm. And the kid is plenty smart enough to go to Harvard. He's now 12, 13 years old. Um, He's now in mid-high 70s. But I think realistically, if I said, OK, this is the amount of money you're going to spend to this point to get your kid. Oh, he's still not ready to go to Harvard, but he's got all of these positive traits yeah. and he's a hard worker. He was small when he was growing up. So he very similar to me to when he, he worked very hard when other people were leapfrogging him in terms of their physical ability. Now he's starting to catch up a lot with the physical side. But he's got a work ethic that overlooks a lot of them he's able to put up with failure and just step over it, these kind of things. I think that would be the niche because I explained to parents that realistically the likelihood of me taking your, your kid to the PJ tour with how it is in Shanghai and developing a golfer right. is quite low. So what I will promise is that by the time if you want to go to US or whatever, you'll be a well-rounded, able-to-think-for-yourself golfer, who therefore I've had quite a few students that have gone to US or gone to Canada and I've known that what they're missing is just being able to be on a golf course day in, day out. Yeah.
0: Just the reps, right. And just the experience of being out there.
1: They get there and they're very, because of all the conversations we have, they're very, I wouldn't say analytical, but they're very smart. They think through all the decisions they're making, they're hard work and they're committed. You put them in that right environment and they just take off. Yeah. And I think That'd be the main niche, just being able to offer a rounded uh, development to these students as opposed to just giving them a great Well, if,
0: if you haven't bottled that up and conveyed that in a really <laughs> concise way, I would highly encourage you to do so because I ask this question all the time, right? Because this is one of our foundational elements when we run our education courses is you need to know who you serve and who you want to serve and who you don't, and you need to know who you are, what you do and what you don't. Right. So I think focusing on the kind of the holistic, you're going to be a great person. You're going to be you're going to have a lot of tools for you if, in fact, you do choose to take golf even more seriously as you get a little older, or have more access. You're going to have these things. And I think what you hit on as far as. You don't just say things, you do them. And I, I can't tell you how frustrating it was to work at high level academies. Once upon a time, which led to creating uh, Edify, which is Coach now. Uh, now, obviously, but seeing the director of such and such saying fitness is so important, and he's over there just chugging Red Bulls and eating jerky, and he's like fifty pounds overweight, you know, and it's like, man, that just kills me. So when a coach walks the walk, I think that is so crucial, and and sadly, not not a lot of people do it. They don't really own up to it. So I think. Um, as you say that, that's, that's a great thing to hone in on and continue to make that a, obviously you guys are doing great, but I think that's something to continue to think about in your multiple streams of income kind of strategies on who yep. you are as a person and trying to bottle that up. Um, cause as I said, that's why I wanted to talk to you. Cause I think, you know, just taking on these challenges, you remind me a lot of, of Tim Ferris, right. Just kind of running yourself through these experiments and seeing what comes out the other side. And I think that's fantastic. Um, So I always, I always end and I would love to keep this going, but out of respect for your, your day and get you going out into the world again, I always end with this. Uh, I think you pretty much said it, but maybe you can bottle it up a little bit differently this time. Advice for a brand new coach, right? Somebody that is maybe a year or two in, they're having moderate success, but they want to make this a full-time living, right? Because a lot of people, it's still part-time for them. Um, So what kind of things would you suggest to them? And then the other, the last question would be, what have I missed, right? What would you want to share with just anybody in general that might be listening to this, knowing that they're in the business of coaching uh, that we haven't talked about?
1: For a brand new coach, um, I still feel like a brand new coach.
0: Uh, (laughs) That's probably the best answer you could give. (laughs) But well, I won't accept it for just for the sake of this. But that is a great answer.
1: I would say a little few words. If not you, then who? Would probably be a good one that it's very easy to see this person. For example, when I arrived here, I could see Michael, he's already been here 10 years. He speaks great Chinese. He works with a national team. What am I possibly going to do if I come and join that team? He's already conquered and done everything. And he's continued to do very well in the years that I've been here, and I go in a slightly different direction. And all that I would say is that if every day what you do gets a little bit better than what you did the day before, In one day, you probably won't end up doing huge, huge things. But when I reflect and start having this conversation, for example, and look back on seven years, it's frightening to me to see how much has happened during that time period.
0: Sometimes somebody's just got to ask you some questions, man. And then you realize, wow, I've done a lot. (laughs) Wow.
1: Absolutely. So I would say uh, advice to young coach would be just to try and get, there's none of the conversations that I had as I was growing up or as I start reaching out to different coaches, none of those conversations just led to this job. And none of the things I did in my first year led to exactly where I am with my current coaching situation. It's all been a a lot of small pieces that go together, go together, go together. So as long as you're being true to yourself, as long as you're doing things each day uh, that are getting you in the direction that you want to be going in, you'll be doing well. I'd say my, my main advice to young coaches is, let's see if I can pull it up here. I've got one that I use and it's called Streaks. And mm. let's pull it up here. Um, I might send you a print screen of this one. but um, Yeah, please. I've got, in this app, if I go on here, I've got exercises. I do 50 push-ups, 50 kettlebell swings, and 50 squat jumps every day and to this point that's 670 days in a row that i've done that
0: damn I've good got for
1: you, on there cold showers or ice cold showers and that's 388 days in a row that, I've done that so i guess my my main advice to coaches or anybody out there would be number one to read the book called atomic habits uh, because mm-hmm. that helps a lot and number two to work out If where I am is here and my end goal is that I want to be the very best at speaking Chinese, then work out every day what you could do, whether that's listening to the TV show in Chinese, if it's having a five-minute conversation with friends, every day doing one thing that will get you closer to where you want to go. And then before you know it, seven years has passed, and you can step back and have a look and see. I'm going in the right direction. I need to keep pushing forward in the same direction.
0: That's beautiful, man. Yeah. And that that those small, those small gains, right? Those incremental gains are what it's all about. I a hundred percent agree. So what have we missed, right? There's a bunch of coaches out there and trainers out there that listen to these and trying to figure out what they're gonna do. And what what would you want to share that maybe you haven't yet? That's Um, a really broad question, I
1: know. (laughs) A really broad question. I would say. Often it's good to have a plan and have a clear direction of where you want to be, but also to be very fluid with that plan. When I look at the video content that I started making, realistically, it's because I look a lot better with time constraints. When I was boxing, I was training six days a week. And at that point, I was super busy and I managed to fit in probably 20 hours or so extra of boxing training each week. Because I didn't want to look silly when I'm boxing in front of a couple of thousand people. So when I have time constraints, I work well. So having, where was this going? Ah, oh, videos. Uh, starting with videos. When I started the video, it's because having the constraint of, okay, I'm going to make a video every day, forced me to speak on day. If I was going to make this video and it was going out to first a couple of hundred people, now hundred thousand people, I wanted to make sure that I didn't say something completely wrong because even though people give you some leniency, you don't want to be known as the foreigner who speaks really bad Chinese, but tries and it's not worth anything. So having that, there is something, okay, I'm going to do this every day, forced me to get better with my Chinese. And I didn't realistically see it turning into where I can see it being a career direction for me. I just started off on that path and wanted to see where it went. So, I'd say, yeah, just similar to the small compounding habits. Uh, if you pick a end goal, and even if you're stumbling towards that direction, yeah, um, is a good thing.
0: One well, you haven't missed putting out a video you said for, what, two years now? Every day or yeah. seven days a week, two years? Yeah. I mean, if nothing else speaks to your level of consistency, I mean, the last two examples that you gave really do. And I think, again, that's the walk the walk right you're asking your athletes out there to to practice each and every day or to take steps each and every day towards their goals and you can share these fun stories with them that keep them motivated to say hey I'm working full-time coaching you I'm boxing and I'm making these videos like we can do it and my dad always said like busy people are really good at getting stuff done when they're busy and I think that's the thing too is like once you understand how to operate in a very time condensed or like limited opportunity windows, right? You end up getting really good at uh, executing rather than just kind of twiddling your thumbs for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, the only thing I'd add is that probably the the consistency is for sure the number one thing. I looked at um, this year, a friend said to me, do you think you could do 50,000 pushups this year? And I looked at him and I tried to calculate what that meant. And it worked out to be 137 pushups a day. And to this point, what well, my forty-eight days through, I've done one hundred and thirty-seven push-ups. But if you said to me, "Do some push-ups every day," there's no way I would just happen to get to fifty thousand. So I would say, just doing that exercise. I've had people ask me, oh, but if you miss a day, can you just do two hundred and seventy-four the day after?" For me, doing that, actually doing one hundred and thirty-seven push-ups isn't the hardest thing. The hardest thing is when you've had a super busy day. I've had mm-hmm. this multiple times where you get back home and it's 1130 and you want it to go to sleep an hour ago. And now I didn't do them in the morning. So now I've got 137 pushups I have to do. It's that commitment and building that stubbornness muscle that gets you through seasons that you don't want to be. in? I see people might see on the surface now, oh, everything's going to plan but there's many, many, many days when I don't wanna send a video or it gets very late oh, or I don't wanna do this yeah. many, many times.
0: And these are all gonna be fantastic habits and it'll test your stubbornness when you have kids. So I uh, <laughs> I applaud you for now and I look forward to checking in with you when you do have kids to see how you do. Um, absolutely. If you can stay consistent, just more power to you. Um, so with that, Andy, thanks so much for the conversation, man. and. Um, You know, in recapping, just so that we can kind of end a summary here, talking through what MIGA is up to, your journey to get there. I think that there's a lot of great things that people can pull from the way that you evolve from kind of just hourly lessons to actually creating really compelling programming. Uh, That just emphasizes a lot of the things that we believe in as well to help coaches create a sustainable business. Being consistent. We talked a lot about that and finding your channel right? Uh, You could have been just wasting your time on Instagram just for fun or whatever, but it wasn't going to serve you. And you also created content to an audience that will convert rather than just for vanity eyeballs uh, or vanity likes and followers, right? So tons of stuff there and just your overall braveness, I guess. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but to take the leap. And because a lot of coaches come to us and say, I want to move, where should I go? And I even introduced one of them to you guys not too long ago because he was looking to to move on with it out of the UK, right? He wanted to move somewhere else. Um, so again, thanks, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. And, and uh, I look forward to catching up with you again soon.
1: I appreciate it. Have a good rest of the day. And um, we'll speak All soon.
0: Right. All right, thanks, Cheers, Andy. Spencer. Bye, man. Hey there, Spencer here one more time. I just wanted to leave this quick little message for you and say thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked what you heard, please do us a favor and review, comment, and more importantly, subscribe to our show. That way you don't miss out on any future episodes. As you know, our goal is to help you in the business of coaching and teaching and training be as successful as possible. And you helping us spread the word is going to do just that. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.